There's a code I live by. There is? It goes like this. Sometimes the ride can be more exciting than the destination. Oh, yeah. That I wish that like had you. been my yearbook quote. I wish it had been. <laughs> Instead, my quote was, please don't hit me. No. Hey. <laughs> well, guess what? I'm bringing up all this for a reason. The 2024 <laughs> Nissan Pathfinder can take you from muddy jungle paths to rolling sand dunes. But it's not about where you go. Don't you get it? In a Pathfinder, the real excitement comes from getting there. Yeah. It's the journey, man. Chase bigger adventures with Pathfinder. Seven drive modes and available intelligent four-wheel drive. Seven drive modes. That's a lot of drive modes. Well, specifically seven, yeah. Yeah. And bring the fun with you with Pathfinder's 6,000 pounds of towing capacity. And I love to tow. 6,000 pounds. What? I like to tow stuff. You don't tow anything. Yes, I do. I'm going to buy a boat tomorrow and tow it. (laughs) I'll never put it in the water, but I'll tow it and I'll use it. I'll tow it in my Pathfinder. Hey, visit (laughs) NissanUSA.com to learn more. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. Towing capacity varies by configuration. See Nissan Towing Guide and Owner's Manual for additional information. Always secure cargo. You got to secure cargo. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, I'm Ricky Gervais And I feel strangely underwhelmed About being Conan O'Brien's friend Farley's here, hear the yell Back to school, ring the bell Brand new shoes, walking blues Climb the fence, books and pens Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Our podcast uh, continues uh, despite this uh, insane pandemic we're all experiencing right now. We're able to do this because we're all connected through the Ethernet. That's right. I said Ethernet. (laughs) You just learned that. Like yeah. a, like two minutes ago, and now you're casually dropping it in. I have it pinned to my jacket with a safety pin, the word Ethernet, the way a, chi- a, mo- a mother puts a note on a child's ski jacket that says, be nice to my boy, which is actually a note my mom pinned to my jacket, be nice to my boy, about two years ago. No, she did. She pinned a note to her. I remember that. It had a giant safety pin. It was like, be nice to my boy. And she sent me off to... Uh, nursery school, and I was savagely beaten. Uh, (laughs) And then they took the safety pin off and they stabbed me with it. So thanks to mom who's out there. She would be listening, but she doesn't know uh, how podcasts work. So anyway, we are continuing on. We're all from our different locations, uh, but we're able to to connect uh, through technology uh, I'm joined uh, by my stalwart companion. Some say my soulmate. Nope. Not in a romantic oh, way. Are you talking about me? No, no, no. Matt, I was going to get to oh. you, but you couldn't, oh. you couldn't take it, oh. could you? No, I miss your tender touch. <laughs> yes, yes. You are my tender touch. Sona's my soulmate. Uh, nope. Uh, yes. 
Nope. My wife, of course, the mother of my children, and I call her the tolerator. My wife is the tolerator. <laughs> <laughs> That's her position in the hierarchy. She's the grand tolerator. But Sona, Sona, I do think of you as my soulmate. Uh, no. I think we're connected in, in many ways that are hard to explain. Mm-mm. Well, what do you think you are? I don't Sona? feel that at all. Uh, well, do, I think well, I'm your employee. <laughs> and, you uh, employee? Really? Yeah. Employee? No, I think we're friends. Okay, because employee implies that I pay you and then you do things for me. Oh. That's where that whole system breaks down. <laughs> we're, we're friends. We're pals. I'm trying to okay, keep this laugh going laughing. too long. <laughs> it's, nope. I'm testing. I'm keeping my lungs healthy. They say, I saw uh, an interview the other day that said you're supposed to keep your lungs healthy during this coronavirus. So I find the best thing to do is laugh at people who work for me. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> They're in excellent health. There you go. Lungs are working fine. Speaking nice. of people I love to laugh at and not with, uh, Matt Gorley, our producer, is with us. Matt, good to see you. Hey, I feel like you're my sole nemesis. Oh, that's not true. I have so many nemesi that uh, I... Nemeses. Nemesum. <laughs> nemoses. I'll say this, Matt. Uh, uh, sincerely, you don't, you're not up there. I don't consider you a nemesis. I was talking about how I see you, not how you see me. Oh, why are you so angry at me? I think I'm a good guy. I before I came along, you were nothing in the podcast world. Nothing. Your name was Mud. You had been. You were embroiled in, in, in scandal when I came along. Podcast scandal. <laughs> what was my podcast scandal? God, where do we begin? You were. Remember the time that you were caught not improvising correctly on air. <laughs> oh Jesus! Look who's talking. Uh, a, a fringe comedian laid out some uh, some. <laughs> funny information and you denied it you said no that's not true no i didn't do that you did yeah there you go no uh, you've been uh, you've been uh, accused many times of many crimes in, in podcast history but that's not important the important thing is that this podcast uh, was uh, uh today is airing on uh, april 20th Four twenty, as Sona likes to call it, and then she, well, you make your peace sign and you twirl around and you (laughs) smoke an imaginary doobie, I suppose. Uh, Imaginary. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's April twentieth, but this has been uh, this has been taped uh, several weeks before. I bring this up for a reason, which is this is going to air. You're hearing it right now on or after April 20th, which means that my birthday, which we all know, say it together, listeners, April 18th, uh, that is <laughs> that is past, which means I'm assuming I've been given wonderful gifts by Sonam Obsession and Matt Gorley, uh, and I'm just going to mm. act like I got those gifts and I really love them. Sona, yeah. uh, that is, what a fantastic gift you gave uh, me. It was yeah. just absolutely stunning, the gift you gave me. At first, I thought it was such a small box. I thought this can't be much. I opened it up. It's car keys tied to a silk string. Oh. I follow the string outside, and there it is. A rare, may only made one, 2007 Bugatti. I, I looked in seven. Yeah, 2007. They made one, and it was so good, they decided to never make another one, and they killed all the people who had been working on it just to make sure it could never be replicated. It's called the Blood Bugatti because they had to kill everyone involved. But I looked it up, and it's worth like $6 million. Oh, wow. And Sona and her husband apparently sold their home in Altadena. Uh-huh. 
uh, at a very inflated price and then bought me this gift. So thank you for that, Sona. Uh, you're welcome for your Bugatti. I can't believe in your fantasy I gave you a 13-year-old car. I don't know why that would be something special, but you're well, you welcome. you couldn't afford the new Bugatti, but it's the blood Bugatti, the one that they wanted there to be just one. So every Italian man working on it was murdered in a gas station parking lot. Matt Gorley, I want to th- I want to thank you for your <laughs> gift. I think My your, pleasure. Your yeah. gift was absolutely uh, extraordinary and very very thoughtful. You know, most people don't like a fruit cake, but uh, <laughs> especially a stale fruit cake. <laughs> I wish you would ask me, do I like a fruit cake? Apparently, no one does. Uh, I do not. But still, it was very thoughtful of you to even remember my birthday, April eighteenth. That's right. Listeners, say it with me. It's pretty much a national holiday. Oh, my God. Wait, he got you a fruitcake and I got you a Bugatti? Well, he aimed low. You aimed high. And, uh, you know, I like them both. You know, I did drive the Bugatti around yesterday. I drove it around Pacific Coast Highway at about 400 miles an hour. Uh, I drew a face on the Bunt cake and put it in the passenger side (laughs) so that uh, it looked like a child, a child with a skin condition. And then I was allowed to drive in the carpool lane. And there's not a lot of people out there (laughs) driving right now. So I had a good time. Well, happy birthday. Well, yeah, you're welcome you. for that gift. And yeah. I'm homeless now. Is that what happened? Okay. No, well. no, don't be silly. I just, I'm going to be very honest with the viewer. Viewer? <laughs> you're going to be very honest. Be honest with yourself. Okay, I'm going to be very honest with all of you that I'm working from home. I'm not the most tech savvy guy in the world. And I accidentally what? laid my uh, script of ad copy and stuff down on top of my computer and the window that was showing all of you disappeared and I don't know how to get you back. Just click on the Zoom thing. (laughs) Isn't that, this is me being honest. We're all flipping you off right now. Oh, that's great. Well, that's mature. That's mature. Bunt cake giver. No, I don't see you guys anywhere. I don't know how to get you back. I think it's over. Conan, go to, to, um, click on your Zoom icon. (laughs) Oh, I see you now. All right, well, I am uh, very, very happy about our guest today. Uh, He's an absolutely hilarious comedian. He's an actor, a writer, a producer. He co-created the Emmy Award-winning series, The Office. He's also a five-time host of the Golden Globes uh, and is currently starring in the Netflix series Afterlife. Now, let me point out, I did uh, tape this interview a little while ago. I actually flew to London. This was all before the pandemic. And I met this gentleman at his offices uh, in uh, northern London. Just before I met up with him, I was sitting in a pub and I had a scotch egg. If you've ever had a scotch egg, uh, you know not to do that ever again. Anyway, (laughs) it was really fun to sit down and talk with him and try and mind meld. I'm thrilled that he's uh, on our podcast today. Ricky Gervais. You uh-huh. are one of the most famous people in the world. You're, you're, you're loved all over the world. You're watched five nights a week, okay? Um, you're one of the greatest writers of the greatest show ever. Oh, The Simpsons. Yeah, okay. right? And you'd think, oh my God, that'd be amazing to be friends with Conan. But it isn't. It's not. We're still, um, we're not young, but uh, you know what I, I mean. I think we're, you, still- we're relatively 
young. I like yeah. to read up a lot. Here's what I do. 25 years ago, we'd be dead. Yes. It's next to medical science. And Here's the thing. <laughs> if you and I had died, if I had died uh, at 45 mm. in any other period of history, yeah. there'd be no explanation no. as to why I died. No. They'd say Conan O'Brien died. He was 45. No one would say what happened. No. Because everybody died. Of course. People died constantly. Yeah. Now yeah. it's made people say when the actor Jack Klugman, you know who he is? The yeah. Jack Klugman from The Odd Couple. Yeah, great. He yeah. smoked and drank and did everything he wanted in life. Then he had multiple battles with throat cancer, survived them, could barely speak, lived another 40 years, and then he died at like 95. And I called my brother Neil, and I said, Neil, uh, Jack Klugman died. And Neil went, what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what do you mean, what happened? It's a man. <laughs> he, he, was, he outlived everybody. What do you three, mean, what happened? He lived on three generations no, of it's like when you're, Yeah, it's like when they, um, um, you notice that in the New York Times, when they write an obituary, they say uh, so-and-so died at the age of 103. They never say why. They just yeah, have the dignity. Course. You know, it could be in a motorcycle accident. Of course. But yeah. they don't say. No, they don't, you don't, you don't need it. Because your time I, was up. I'm at that age now where I might get a, oh, that's, um, that's too young. They won't really mean it. Do you know right, what I mean? Right, They right. just go, oh, that's... Um, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's, had, that's too early. He yeah. had a, he could have had a little more time. He had another three years. <laughs> <laughs> but he had plenty. Yeah. I want to make it clear to anyone listening right now that I crossed the pond to come see you. Yeah. Um, and I know that you're, you know. Lazy. You're, you're lazy. Uh, you, you're in America all the time uh, and um, always within 100 feet of me. But you said you'd prefer to talk to me in London. And I said, okay. I said, right. we're here right now. Right. I remembered, and we were actually right near recording equipment. And you said you had nothing else to do that day. Right. And you said you'd still prefer it right. if I flew 10 hours and came to London. Right. None of that, none of that is true. No. I, I no mostly, little, little of what I say is true. Yeah. I mostly live in London. I, I, I do. I go to LA a couple of times a year for either award shows or, you know, I, I, whatever. Um, and uh, uh, we, when we cross paths, I always do your show. You were here anyway, um, being, what you getting some sort of silly honour or doing... I was not getting any kind of honour. What no. were you doing? I was yeah. something you did. I spoke at the Oxford Oh, Union. yeah. And what they do when they invite you is they say, Churchill spoke here, yeah. Malcolm X spoke here, yeah. oh, Gandhi, yeah. they have yeah. this long list of amazing people. Then you accept and you go... And they give you the list of who also spoke there. And it's a hideous list. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't now tell you, me that one. Now, no, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stormy Daniels, you know. <laughs> Seriously, that's not even a joke. Stormy Daniels spoke there. <laughs> Everything goes downhill, though. You see, I've got a theory, right? Because of, because of social media and uh, how everyone's... Eventually, we get to hear everyone's true feelings or thoughts, or right? So... I think any of these people in history that we revere, that we think are amazing, if they were on Twitter, they'd be hated in six yes. months. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your Marilyn Monroe would be treated like a Kardashian or whatever. Nothing wrong with the Kardashians, but you know what I mean. Yes, so they'd soon they'd soon do a tweet when they were drunk. Right. They'd go, oh my god, they're awful. Yeah, doesn't matter who it was, Gandhi, Churchill, anything. I they, always they, they, <laughs> I always thought you know people used to talk about oh if Abraham Lincoln he's he's considered in America the greatest of American if Abraham Lincoln could come back today. What wise words would he say about the state of the union? And I've always said, first of all, he'd come back. 
And in his peripheral vision, he would see a TV on in the corner. And he yeah. would say, what's that? Mm. And they'd say, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Mm. You know, Mr. President, Lincoln, 16th martyred president. Yeah. Can we first talk about what your station is? Hold on a second. And he would go and he would start watching TV. Yeah. And then he would only want to binge watch TV. Of course. And then he would be laughing his ass off. It's stuff you and I hate. It shows that you and I have no respect yeah, for. Of course. And then he'd be saying, have you seen this? Have you seen, you know, and it'd be some reality show that's just awful. Yeah. And he'd say, have you seen this? This Love Island is fantastic. And you'd say, well, Mr. President, he'd be like, hold on, hold on. Do you think he's going to shag her? Is he going to? And But we, also, let's not forget, if you go back, if you go back a few years, anyone coming now wouldn't be woke enough for anyone. Right. They'd, they'd go, they'd suddenly say something really racist yeah. No, Lincoln, Lincoln would say like, oh, look at the rack on her. And you'd be like, Mr. President. He'd be like, I'm sorry. The, the. When I lived, we all died at 11 and we were allowed to comment on other people's bodies. Yeah. No, he would be, he'd be, eight, he'd be revered for eight hours and then hate. Yeah, well, I, I think that that's it now, isn't it? That, that people, it's almost acceptable for everyone to do a little bit of living their life like an open wound. You think, oh, why not? You could cut to so many things of mine that didn't work out, that aren't that good. So... I have to. Oh, accept- I've got a list. Got a- no, I saw your list as I came a, in. It's actually you a have- book. It's a it- book now. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get it bound. But, um- I saw volume eight. I saw you flipping through volume eight. Conan shit work. And I was like, oh, he's got the complete set. Uh, no, but I to- totally agree with you. And and I think that I've got a, a reputation as sort of like a, a a shock jock, or I don't care what I say, or you know, I don't care about people's feelings, which is it, it's. That's totally untrue. Yeah. Every joke, and I think it comes from you know stand up. With it. it's, all, it's context is everything. Even the Golden Globes, you know, uh, I go after people's um, public behaviour that isn't that bad. Right. I don't, I don't really go after you know. And uh, no, I, you, you're right. I've got to be able to do it in front of them and face them after. Otherwise, I think it's cowardice. If someone did get their feelings hurt, and you heard about it, mm. my assumption is. It wouldn't just completely bounce off of you. No, it, it would bother you. It would bother me. It would bother I, you. I tell you, this is the problem as well. Uh, with you know, uh, ten years ago, if I made a joke and and someone said I'm offended, I'd think about it. I'd look into it. Now it's meaningless. Now the people that are offended at anything have made that meaningless. Right. Um, uh, and in a way, I, I I I've always tried to make my um, jokes bulletproof. But now there's this, you've got to try and make them bulletproof for 10 years time, which is impossible. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like now people are going back and trying to get people cancelled for 10 year old tweets. And you go, well, that that doesn't count. You know, John Wayne was cancelled 40 years after his death. Right. For for not being woken up. And he's very upset about it. He's very (laughs) upset about it. So you can't worry about that. But how would I feel about that? Is that justified? What are they doing sitting at home? Is is it their fault? Is it their baby? Will they find it funny as well? I, I tease lots of people in entertainment. And again, I'm still not judging them. You know, we all screw up. I try and, you know, turn the the spotlight on me as well when I do those things. Um, uh, but I think people people want a war. They want a feud. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's what they want. You know, that it reminds me of the analogy I came up with a couple of years ago. It occurred to me chemical reactions are all about heat. Like heat creates chemical reactions. And I realized, mm. oh, that's the media. You've got to warm yeah. things up to make things happen. Mm. I saw a headline once about me. I can't remember what it was, but I call. I said uh, that that's not true, um, and they said no. But it's explained in the article. Yeah, 
Yeah, but some people don't even read the article. Well, they fall for the marketing. There. Yeah. They fall for the marketing. They, they fall for the fact that the poster for the Golden Globes is me gagged. Like right. he says, the unsayable. Of course I don't say the unsayable. Right. I don't say the unsayable at all. I go around the world saying the sayable and there's thousands of people laughing. If I was saying the unsayable, they'd be walking out. They, do, they don't, right? right? right. They, they, they fall for the beer. Oh, he might be drunk. I'm not drunk. Right. I'm never going to be drunk. Uh, right. that, that would be bad. No. <laughs> um, but you would clearly, and, you would have had a lot of cocaine. Uh, yeah. Get to that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Heroin, cocaine. <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, they, they do fall for the marketing, and um, uh, and and th- and that's a good thing in a way. Uh, but then um, you don't want it to bleed into your um, private life. I don't. I, I don't want people to think I'm a horrible, nasty, uncaring because because I'm not. That that's the reason, right? Um, and. I feared fame because of all those reasons. When I, when I was doing The Office and I thought, oh, I'm going to be in this and I might be famous, I sort of feared it for loads of reasons. I didn't want to be lumped in with those people that do anything to be famous. And I, I never signed that contract with the devil, make me famous and then I can go through my bins. And I remember the first time I, I read something that was untrue about me. Oh, oh, my God. Or the first bad review, I went, oh, my God. Then I think, oh, nothing happened. It doesn't matter. And I've realised as I got older, and it took, it took like 15, 20 years for me to realise this, is that reputation is important, but it's what strangers think of you. Character is what your friends know you are, and that's right. what counts more. And now it's like water for duck back. And also, I, 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 I don't expose myself to those things. I'm, I, I don't do drugs or, you know, right. race fast cars and come out of clubs. I don't do that. So there's, there isn't a story. But um, still, I don't want people to think, uh, like some of the jokes they don't understand with irony, I don't want people to think that I'm a racist, misogynist, homophobe because they've they've got the the target mixed up with the subject. Right. Uh, people don't quite understand that with character. They get it when you call yourself David Brent, right? But when you're live, they don't get that that Ricky Gervais on stage is a character as well, to a certain extent. And I flip between... Like, th- th- my new show, Supernature, I come out and I do a, a joke, and I say, that was irony. That's when I say something I don't really mean, and you as an audience, you laugh at the wrong thing because you know what the right thing is. And it sets it up. It just explains what, what we do. Right. You know, we, we say things to make people laugh. And there's loads of ways of doing that. You can say the right thing or the wrong thing, you know. There's um, something I've been doing for, I mean, since I, since I started doing my show. I did it when I was a comedy writer, and then I did it when I had my own show. Masturbate. Well, yeah. Yeah. This is amazing. You can finish my sentences for me. But um, wait, it's time to go again. There we go. Uh, I'm very quick. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I would do is I created this over-the-top persona at work of the kind of, you know, I would push a writer up against a wall and say, you wrote this shit? You know, that kind of over-the-top, <laughs> yeah. crazy yeah. Hollywood version of an insane <laughs> yeah, yeah. Caligula head of a TV show. And it was always sort of an unspoken thing that we all knew that that was what I was doing because because I needed to the pressure of of doing this job all the time. I couldn't be earnest at work. I needed to be this completely out of control, you know, madman. Yeah. Uh, but as a bit, as like that was the bit that I was but doing. That's interesting because. Um, I noticed on my last tour, Humanity, I'd been away for like seven years, from stand-up, I mean, uh, but the audience still knew me. I was still around doing stuff. So they, they, so the audi- by the time I did Humanity, the audience had known me 
for 15 years. Right. So they got it all. Yeah. So they got the irony. They got the... Right. Um, and you don't have to... With friends, when you say something naughty or off-colour or something you don't mean, you don't have to go, I'm only joking. Right. They, they get it. And I've got to the point now where, how can I talk about the worst things in humanity and get a laugh? That's my challenge. I deal with taboo subjects because I do like that... <gasps> That moment of fear when you start talking about summer, and I, I, it's, I, I, I want to take ten thousand people by the hand through a frightening forest, and they come out the other side, and it's sunny, and they went, "That was all right." right. And I think that's what humour's for. It gets us through bad stuff. I think that it, it does confront our fears, and uh, it, it kills the beast. It really. Do you know when? Um, even in things like rats, they understand that gallows humour, that irony. If you tickle a rat, right. It laughs because that's how it's usually being eaten by a cat. It's on its back and it's being tickled and it's laughing ironically. And that it's that, that really is yeah. That- apparently, some things they get they have a level of I'm not dying, I'm not being eaten by a cat. Right, you know. So I see the difference, <laughs> and I find it. It's, this, yeah. is, this is evoking yeah. the worst thing I'm, that could happen yeah. to me. I'm laughing at the wrong thing because right. I know what the right thing is. You know, it, it's like this is okay. Yeah, and I think we do it because we're play fighting. Right, we're play fighting. We're seeing how far, and then we might. Oh, that's too harsh. That's you've, you know the claws are out there. Let's go back to. And I think we do that. I think we comedians do that. Our tea's a comedian. I'll be going crazy. We do it. I'll go home to Jane. I go. Did they know I was joking? She goes. Jesus. Jesus Christ, of course they fucking knew you were joking. Yeah. But I still got, what if I didn't? What if I hit a nerve? You know? No, but I, I all the time, I'm trying to calibrate. Was that okay? Was that... Uh, they knew, right? And, yeah. And I think that's why I always loved the writer's room. I always loved the writer's oh, room because I felt... It's amazing. The years that I was on Sun Out Live with The Simpsons, I just... And, and my own writer's room for whatever, you know, 26 years. I know I can go in there and it's people... We all are part of this little yeah. group that knows that someone and and my writers tear the shit. They just tear into me. Of course, when I walk into the room, if I'm wearing new shoes, oh. they'll have the perfect jokes about why my shoes are the worst shoes yeah. that anyone could have chosen. And of course, I do it with them, and we're all doing it with each but other. Also, we do we do it a little bit as well because we give them that. Like sometimes I'll be putting on shoes, and I go, "Oh, I can't wear those." So and so, it's oh, I'm going to put them on. Yes, because then they can right. have a go at them. And I right. and I think that's because we have a, a um, comedians to a certain degree have a heightened sense of empathy. They want to know what what's good and what's bad and what hurts and what they don't like. And um, and. Uh, I, uh, uh, Jane got me a present once walking with wolves where you go and meet these wolves and they're, they're, they're wild but they're um, socialised mm-hmm. so they're not tame but you still have to do all the don't have any food in your pocket don't be your fingers out don't you know make sudden right, movements right. don't wear you know like we were walking we were walking these wolves past another pack of wolves and they went come this side because there's a thing called uh, deferred aggression because if they can't get to that wolf they just bite the nearest thing next to them because it's deferred. So it's all those things, and then you meet them, and uh, then they were fighting. I was going, oh, my God. Like, it's fine. They're just... And they're biting each other. And I'm going, oh, my God. Just like... They go, no, 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 no. They're, they're just... They're, they're, they're doing the dominance order. They're just, you know, play fighting. Right, right. And they said that a, a wolf will bite until it just hurts the other one to find the thing. So when they were puppies, uh, or cubs, uh, what they do is... They pretend it hurts before it does. So when the wolf bites them, it doesn't hurt. And it's things like that, that they're, they're testing the boundaries. Yeah. What hurts? Right. If it doesn't hurt, 
it's funny, you know, it's, it's Nietzsche and it's whatever doesn't kill makes you stronger. And I think we subconsciously, we play with that all the time. How far can I go? How no, far can I go? I have a theory that a lot of this gets worked out with siblings. Early oh, on. definitely. Um, I know that you grew up with siblings. How many? Well, uh, there was four of us. Um, uh, I was the youngest by... Uh, 11 years Okay I remember when I was 13 I said to my mum Why are my older brothers and sisters uh, Why are they so much older than me She went Because you were a mistake <laughs> I want to go They were all mistakes yeah. you know? <laughs> My dad was a Catholic My dad was a fr- French Canadian uh-huh. Who uh, joined the army to, to, to fight in the war He got stationed here um, Met my mum I got her pregnant My oldest brother was born uh, 44 um, who, who died last year Um uh, it was Larry, uh, Marsha, uh, Bob, then 11 years later, little Ricky. Um, so did you feel like you got, because I felt the real elemental stuff that I needed to know about comedy, I worked out in the kitchen of our house. After the family situation, the rest is adding to that elemental knowledge yes. somewhat. But the percentage is amazing to me of how much I learned. From but it's not, just, it's not just the laugh. It's because the um, laughter is a, uh, it's a social power. It could be anything. You could have chosen something else. You could have chosen being the smartest or the bravest, but you chose being the funniest, as as I did. I didn't have those choices. You're a big guy. I didn't feel I like couldn't, I couldn't be the toughest or the bravest. But and I, I couldn't was the either. Young. I couldn't either. Right. I mean, okay. people, no. I'm, I'm okay. tall, but I'm, I, I was, it, it worked out. You're weak. Thank you. There's a weakness. Is that you sensed There's that a, when I came up? Yeah, yeah. There's a cowardice and a weakness, which is is detestable. It's not. It's not like I don't feel sorry for you. I, I want to crush you yeah. because of your. Yeah, it's disgusting. Do you know it's what I disgusting. mean? Disgusting. Yes, yes. You want a like a like a, a bug? Uh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Crush but, me like a bug. Yeah, yeah. That's already hurt. Oh, 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 oh a, a lame bug. A bug. Yeah. Yeah. It has like uh, someone swatted it and it's on the floor going, I'm a bug, I'm a bug. <laughs> and uh, take me to the vet. No, I'm not going to take you to the fucking vet. <laughs> what it's bug, not worth it. What bug is entitled enough to think it should go to the vet? <laughs> what bug thinks, take me to the vet? Let's be honest, that was a metaphor. We know, everyone knows I'm talking about you. You are the bug. I didn't see let's, that. Let's Damn drop it. the pretense. Let's drop the pretense. I, didn't, I never see the metaphor. And everyone listening saw it perfectly, and I missed it. I just felt bad for that bug. And I wanted to crush it as well. And now I realized it's it took, a, took an odd turn. It's me. It it's took been a very really strange all turn. Along. A lot of beaches out there, but only one beach is the beach. Why did your voice change? You heard me. Only one beach is the beach. <laughs> Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Say it with me. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Mur- you didn't. That's just, just oh, a phrase. Sorry. You don't have to say it with okay. me. Uh, Myrtle Beach is 60 miles where you belong. Mm. Can you believe that? Everyone always talks about Myrtle Beach being the best beach. So much so that people refer to it as the beach. Yeah. The beach is where your best self comes out. Myrtle Beach has 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline and endless things to do on your trip. You love to eat, oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I know the answer to that one. There are over 2,000 restaurants serving up fresh seafood, southern classics, and low country cuisine. Love music? Who doesn't? Live music is the soundtrack to the beach, or as I call it, the beach. <laughs> There's live music every night of the week, all year round. Plan your trip to the beach at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you.
Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest Doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT Self Setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams that can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. These things are getting so smart. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, (laughs) you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. You can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. Sounds pretty good, huh? Doesn't it, Sona? I, I like that. Yeah, you like it. This means you can earn on what you want, like trying out the new workout class mm. and uh, 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. You're always asking about a foam roller. Yeah, I love to work out. And use a foam roller. And That's the beauty. Foam it up. That's foam it up. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. I don't know where they come up with these things. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. I'm thinking specifically of the office and extras. Something that I could relate to, you did it obviously just so extremely well, but you you would humiliate yourself. You were obviously playing characters, but you would yeah. go out of your way to I love put it. yourself in the worst, most humiliating. I think. I'm- you know, uh, David Brent would say the exact wrong thing. I believe it was extras where uh, David Bowie. Of course. He comes in, and I know he's a hero of yours. Yeah. And so I know what you're thinking is, is mm. what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Yeah, he hates if me. If I got a chance to see yeah, David Bowie. exactly. And David Bowie not only hates you, but then composes on the spot a song. Yeah. Was it s- Without even meaning it. Yeah. Um, Pug Nose Face. Yes, and, and little tubby fat, little fat man. Tubby little fat man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was thinking as I was looking at that, like this is you didn't write something where David Bowie thinks you're the greatest guy in the world. No. You wrote him having absolute contempt for you. Yeah. Uh, without and, even without even meaning it, with dispassionately, yes, just dispassionately, yeah. which is even worse. Yeah. If someone has no dog in the fight and they still say you're awful, yeah. You think, well, they just okay. Well, that's just true then. Right. Then, 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 no. He, just, yeah. he saw you in his. I mean, he you caught his peripheral vision. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And for a second, he of composed course, that song. Like he's this crazy genius. I sent him the lyrics to that. Um, and I said, um, oh, can you give me something like uh, quite uh, retro, like um, Life on Mars? And he went, yeah. oh, yeah, I'll just knock off a quick fucking Life on Mars for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but I love being insulted again because it's play- it, it doesn't hurt. They're words. I'm yeah. the rat. 
Uh, someone insulting me right. is the rat being tickled. Right. It's not real. It can't hurt me. Right. It can't hurt me. So I, I, I find it funny. If someone thinks they can hurt my feelings by shouting some at me, I, I've won. Yeah. I've won. Yeah. I think you like to put yourself literally through a ringer. Those things that you yeah. turn to the century where they yeah. they squeezed, they took wet clothes and they squeezed it through a ringer just to yeah. see. Well, that, that came from the, what's the, um, um, oh, that's, that's a siren. And that's going to be part... That's what they sound like here in Europe. It's bullshitting. It's the bullshitting ambulance. We've been... <laughs> they, they, they heard us talking. You know what happened? And, and uh, Someone in the police station said, they've been talking seriously for too long on a comedy podcast. <laughs> Dispatch a constable. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Um, again, yeah. Uh, it's I mean, I mean in, in this series, which I really like, I know the second series is coming out uh, in a few months. 24th of April. Yeah, 24th of April. And... I really like the first series, the first season, and I'm, you know, suspicious. I'm curious about, like, geez, what happens with this character next? Because the first season is all about you coping with the death of your wife. Yeah. And then there's a lot of really funny stuff in the series, but it's dark. It's almost like you set yourself a challenge to say, I'm going to put a guy in the worst situation possible, which yeah. is he lost the love of his life. Exactly. And now we're going to see where I can find the humor. Exactly. And the, and the, and that was a challenge going from, you know, uh, uh, it goes to silliness and nonsense and annoying and trivial and all those things. Uh, and in his head, he, he was he was suicidal and depressed. So, um, it, yeah, wow, let's make that funny. Um, the reason he doesn't kill himself is because the dog's hungry. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I wanted that to be, and that sounds trivial, but it's not. It's actually true when you sort of look at it, you know. No, you have uh, to feed the dog. You have to feed the dog. And the yeah. dog didn't do anything. And, yeah. And, and, and then he gets through the second phase, like, now, okay, she's dead. Okay, okay, if I don't kill myself, oh, what, what can I do? I know, I can... I can always kill myself. I've always got that to fall back on. So until then, I'm going to punish the world. Yeah. I'm going to start saying exactly what I've got. Nothing to lose. I can say what I want. We sort of think, oh, I wish I could be like... And we do. You know, there's loads of instances in there that I've been in real life and I haven't been able to do what he did because I, I live for tomorrow. Yeah. There'll be consequences. With him, right. he can... He can I, I don't care. And the other thing we laugh at is... And this is the staple of comedy, particularly sitcom, is an ordinary guy or girl trying to do something they're not equipped to do. And his is, he tries to be this uncaring psychopath, and he can't, because yeah. he's got a conscience. Yeah. He cares about the dog, he cares about his nephew, he cares about the old lady in the graveyard, he cares about the young girl. So he's, his burden is, he's a nice guy. He's trapped. He yeah. can't even do what he wants to feel better. I love this, yeah. a thing in the show where you have this absolute slob that sits opposite you, oh, yeah. uh, who's the photographer, and he's this heavy guy who eats terribly. And you start talking about how he's got this little roll of fat on the back of his neck. Yeah. And you just want to pinch it. And yeah. you're talking about it. And what I love is that he doesn't care. No. He doesn't. No. You will say things that it works for me because he is so, I don't know, he's like a Teletubby. He's like somebody, he's impervious to. Well, as he says, you know, I'm his stress ball. Yeah. We all have our roles. And yeah. he knows, he knows that that's what friends do. He knows it's affection. It's know. a funny thing you're bringing up, which is that I think we're the same this way. And I think there's a lot of people in comedy are really mean stuff is safe for the people we care about the most. Of course. And I'm, 
I can be so polite to people that are dreadful to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and who no, I don't. Because you I don't, don't really care about You don't them. want to be embroiled. Yeah. You don't want to be part of their causal web. You don't yeah. care. But you do, you, it, that, that's when you walk away, when you don't care. You know, you have nothing to say about them. You have right. nothing. I don't want to, I don't want them spending any time in my brain because it's, it's a waste of my time. Right. You spent 40 years on this earth, no one really knowing who you were. You weren't famous. Yes, exactly. It didn't define me. Right. In fact, I feared it. And uh, I've still got a little bit of contempt for celebrity. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's obvious. Well, when you... Well, but also... <laughs> I'm, I'm, really? Tell me more about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was never cared about money or, 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 or things. Um, as long as I had a beer and, a, and, and some mates, uh, that's all I... That's all I cared about. And so when I got into this sort of game, it was it was laughable. It was ludicrous. But well, they cared about... I mean, the first time I did the Globes, why did they care about what I said about them? They're the richest... They were worried about their... Right. They pick up symptoms of their, of their entourage, their yes-men. It's like... Fucking hell, it doesn't matter, mate. We're all gonna we're all gonna die soon. Yeah. Um you know what I mean? Nothing yeah. fucking matters. Yeah. Just did just chill out. Uh, this is getting very morbid, but I've I find gravestones in and graveyards to be very pompous. This must be set aside for me, and this stone will mark where my remains are, and it must I you know I think what are you talking about in geological time this will all no, be gone. Just, yeah, all I be talk gone. about this like uh, you know my new tour Supernature. Um I'm so like, humanity Supernature everything I've done is quite existential and I think maybe it's because I'm an atheist because I know this is all we've got or I think this is all we've got and I talk about that that people are offended by that they go you don't know maybe I'll live again and uh I I don't fear um death or rather I don't fear being dead because I won't know about it. That's the best thing about being dead. Uh, it's like being stupid. It's only painful for others, and so um, I, I don't. I don't really worry about it. Um, I have a sense of mortality. I, I don't want to be told I've got six months to live. That would be awful. If everyone died in their sleep, we'd have no anxiety. Right. It would be great. And I'd like a little. Here's what I want. What? I don't want to go in my sleep. Really? No. I want a, like a moment so that I can look to a camera that isn't there and do some sort of. Just one last little bit, you know, to the camera that's not there. I just want to look to a well, camera I just, that's... But I do that every day. I know. Case, I wake up and I have the best day ever every day in case I die in my sleep. Right. But I don't want to know I'm dying. I just want 15... I, I want 20 seconds. Really? I want 20 seconds. I probably wouldn't be in the mood. I want, <laughs> I want to, I'd be, you know what I would do? I would make it more dramatic. If they said, you're going to have a heart attack in 20 seconds. Right. I would light myself on fire and jump out a tall window just so that it was spectacular. See you know what I mean? Um, someone said to me once, um, wouldn't you want to sort of die um, saving a, a baby from a burning building? I go, no, I like to die in my sleep dreaming I was saving a baby from oh, a burning building. That's very nice. <laughs> you've, got it all, you've got it all worked out. So you don't even actually help a baby. <laughs> I don't get scared. I don't get burned. I die a hero in my mind. Right. And then I'm, then I'm dead. And right. that's great. And that's right. it. And then someone finds me and he's uh, uh, smiling. <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, there's that fame. There's that. It's that famous short story of you die saving the baby, and then they say, "Isn't Ricky Gervais a wonderful man?" Yeah. Now come with me, baby Adolf Hitler. 
uh, uh, seeing what you've uh, done. Uh, yeah. And yeah. then we go to the big, the yeah. end question mark. Yeah. <laughs> then people say, well, wait, why is Adolf Hitler being born now? And uh, well, we, we'll have someone else work it's that a, out. It's a minefield, isn't it? Did you, you've met everybody you wanted to meet. I mean, I, I imagine, is there one person out there who you've thought like, oh, Jesus Christ, that singer-songwriter of my youth, I never met them. Have you pretty much, you've met everybody. Um, well, yeah, but there's still people, uh, uh, obviously, um, you have sort of heroes growing up, and uh, I, I, like Muhammad Ali, I thought I was, uh, I, that was incredible. Wouldn't that be it, yeah. I've never thought what would it like to meet someone in case... Because it's fleeting and it's meaningless. And also, it's... what do you say if someone... I, I mean, we talked about David Bowie. Yeah. I've had this where... Well, that was great because I actually became friends with him yes. and knew him and it was, it was fulfilling and lovely and great. But, yeah. But um, you knew him as a person. Yeah, exactly. If you had just met him being a fan... You know, I had this... Uh, it would be a story, but, yeah, it wouldn't be the same. But also, That's... I realized uh, years ago I got to interview McCartney, and I oh, know yeah. everything about the Beatles, just everything you can possibly know about the Beatles. I'm one of those people, and I was talking to him, and I found myself just thinking, there's nothing I can say to him yeah. that he hasn't heard a billion times. Yeah. If I said, enjoy your work, well, what is that? Yeah, I know, um, yeah. If I say, you know what I really loved... The Beatles, you know, what is yeah, that? Yeah. There's nothing, and if you, every now and then, you've probably encountered people that want to say the thing to you that they're like, I want to say the thing to Ricky Gervais that no one else I says. I sort of like being, I, I like finding out someone's normal in a yeah. way, and that's really weird. Like right. the first time I met Bowie, we were, I was newly famous, and uh, I was invited to one of those BBC things, uh, an audience with Bowie who, who played, and um, I was there with Jane, and the, uh, the director general of the BBC, Greg Dyke, bounced over and went, you're a huge Bowie fan, aren't you? I went, yeah, yeah. He went, come and meet him. I went, really? He went, yeah, come on, yeah. He went, hey, Salmon. Salmon Rushdie joined mm-hmm. us. <laughs> so it was me, Jane, Salmon Rushdie and Greg Dyke. We go to meet Bowie. He asked the director, hey, hello, like that. Um, oh, I was just eating a banana. Um, and we met him and he didn't know who I was. And I said, oh, nice to meet you. And then a few days later, some, he must have said, it was that fat bloke. Um, and he got my email. He was David Bowie. He could do that. Sure. And I just got an email from David Bowie saying, I watched The Office. I laughed. What do I do now? And we sort of became pen pals. And uh, he invited me to do um, the Highline Festival in mm-hmm. New York, which yeah. I did. My yeah. first, it was my first New York thing at the Madison Square Garden. And I thought, because it was like a charity, it would be full of posh people in tuxedos. But of course it was. I said, um, have, they, have, have they seen my live stuff what do I do he went anything as long as it's delightfully offensive oh Which, that's nice that's nice isn't it um, and uh, then I, I went, we went to his apartment and uh, we went in and the doorman there went oh you're here to see Mr Jones and I went oh yeah of course I'm here to see Mr Jones David Bowie doesn't to, really exist right you right. know he was Davy Jones yeah David, and he, we went upstairs and um, he was just made a coffee he just had a it was after his um, little heart incident yeah and he came round with two cups of coffee pretending to be shaky and old yeah and I thought he's mucking a, he's fucking having a laugh he's mucking around this is David Bowie this is my hero and the apartment is is as you would imagine like something from a magazine yep and there was this amazing huge statue this work of art like a pewter thing I went that's amazing I said who's that he went oh yeah the artist there was um, trying to do you know what Picasso did uh, with 2D? He made it sort of 3D. He tried to flip it and make the, the, the statue that was 3D, 2D. Anyway, my daughter likes to hit that with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, it's, I don't know. What I find over and over again with these people is there's a reason they became who they became. Exactly. Was, he was a, uh, it's not that, Driven, hardworking, brilliant. But, but also uh, sensitive. He's yeah, an artist. Yeah, of course. So he's sensitive, and his work was witty, so he's witty, you know? And yes. So there's a reason. I also, I also like the fact that they're, they're aware of their, their legend. I quite like that. Right. That they know. They know the press's perception of that they play with, and they, they want to let you know that they're above that. Right. You know uh, that that's nice. Oh, we, we, like talking about Paul McCartney, we went to his house for his birthday party, and there was, uh, everyone was there. The Who, Pink Floyd, everyone, and uh, and all his mates and family and everything. And then uh, he went, "Let's have a song," and he he went over to the piano and just started like "Lady," and everyone. I was like, "This is weird." Yeah, yeah. This is that's mad, isn't it? Yeah, banging yeah. out a tune like a Victorian. <laughs> no, it's insane. <laughs> This is, uh, I got to go to uh, a party years ago, and Paul McCartney's there, and it's a small party, and I'm playing it cool, and we're just chatting, yeah. and a lovely guy, and then at one point in the evening, he picks up a guitar. That's when you start to feel yourself leave your body, yeah. but you keep dragging yourself back in, yeah. like, I can't, don't leave, stay here, in the moment, be here. So McCartney's playing it, and it's a right-handed guitar. And he's playing it, he's left-handed, so he's playing it upside down and backwards, you know? He's, and so that Amazing. the, the, uh, the low uh, E is on the bottom of the guitar and the high E is on the top, which is exactly wrong. Yeah. And he's, fit, he's doing it and it's working. You know, he's, uh, he's, it's, it's, he's making great music. And I just went over and I just couldn't help myself. I said, you're playing that guitar upside down and backwards. This is also the police that come when you're telling another Beatles story. <laughs> <laughs> it's an American in London telling a Beatles story. Yeah. Uh, London got over the Beatles about 40 years ago. The, the Americans here. Is it about McCartney at a party? Yes. Um, but uh, no, he's playing this guitar the wrong way. And I just said, I'm sorry, how are you doing that? And he said, well, you know, growing up, I did Nick Jones guitar a lot. Apologies for the shitty accent. I did Nick Jones guitar a lot. So, you know, I couldn't restring it or it had crippled me. So I had to learn to play it this way. And I'm <laughs> like, you just, you're just referencing... What? Well, you know, and so then I, I just, I think uh, yeah. liquid shit came out my eyes. Uh, yeah, I just, no. I just, you know, and at the same time, he's just talking about, yeah, I had this friend, John. Of and, course. And I play lefty, he plays righty. I can't restring his guitar because he had a bit of a temper and would, and would hit me if I did that. Yeah. So <laughs> I learned It's to like it we're way. surprised. It's like we're surprised that they're normal people. Yeah. And that, that's, that's a lovely refreshing surprise and uh oh with the bowie thing i never i never forgot he was my hero but sometimes i couldn't remember the same time i couldn't suddenly go oh that's my mate and he's my musical hero doesn't work it, no you, you can't remember, have you, the two together you can't, no you can't have the two i remember um i think it was his 57th birthday i sent him an email um saying uh, 57 isn't it about time you got a proper job Right. Ricky Gervais, 43, comedian. He sent back, I have a proper job. David Bowie, rock god. 
(laughs) That's fantastic. It's lovely, isn't it? David Jones was taking the piss out of David Bowie. Yeah. That's why it's so sweet. One of everyone's famous character types, and you've done it so well, is the the pompous or self-involved idiot is the the best. Of course, yeah. When it's it's done well, and Peter Sellers did it beautifully as Clouseau, and he was so good at it, but apparently... He was just, people would invite Peter Sellers to a party because they wanted to spend time with Peter Sellers. Of course. And Peter Sellers would go there and he would just stand in the corner with that weird Peter Sellers smile and look at people. And he said, I don't know why anyone wants to have me here. I'm not interesting at all. And he apparently wasn't. He was was good at doing that thing. But then people wanted him to be... Clouseau well, I, well, to, to a perfect extent right I feel sorry for these people um, it doesn't happen so much now but like in the 70s and 80s um, some of the biggest entertainers were um, ventriloquists and puppeteers yeah yeah and of course people were always disappointed when they didn't bring the fucking monkey or the duck with them (laughs) (laughs) I read a story do you know do you have the red arrows in America like those uh, I don't know that we do or I don't know um, it's a team of like people in fighter jets that do like uh, coordinated things in the sky we have blue angels exactly yeah yeah okay. so well, we have the red arrows right? so um, I remember a story in the uh, in the paper years ago where the red arrows had turned up to a nightclub and uh, they couldn't get in and they said well we're the red arrows and they, they, they couldn't get in and I remember thinking have you haven't got the planes mate <laughs> It's the, it's the, it's, it's more the planes we like, mate. It's like, like six posh guys in Aaron sweaters going, yeah, yeah. we're the red arrows. Not without the planes, you're not, boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. There's also nothing like the same thing is travel around the world and go to places where they don't know who you are. Oh, yeah. And I find yeah. that to be very refreshing. I love it. And, um. I love sitting outside in a, in a, uh, a place well, it's where. it's hard for you because your show's international. Well, it's getting worse, but it's still. It's still not like sitting outside a bar in London for me, which right. I don't do anymore. Yeah. So uh, when I'm in a place where no one bothers me and I can just sit out and have a beer again, you know, and and scratch my balls without it being put on YouTube, that's a that's a joy. So you do care about what someone thinks about you, a person you'll never see again in your life. Yes, I do care. I, I suppose yeah. I still care. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I care about their feelings. I'd never want to hurt their feelings. But yes, I do also care about. Oh. I'd hate that on Twitter. He was a he was a nasty. I'd hate that because it's yeah. just not true. Yeah. Um, so of course we, yeah, of course you care. Yeah. Well, I've taken a lot of your time, and you've been a, a good sport. You know, I've uh, actually, that- yeah, more as as a percentage of what I've got left in my life. I took a huge amount of time, it's, and and tomorrow would be even worse. You have five years. We don't. Well, we don't. We don't know. Oh, I do know. Well, no, but think of that. Think, <laughs> I know exactly. How think much time if you this have. turned out uh-huh. to be half the time I had left. If I go home now and die in two hours, you took up fifty percent of the time I had left. And then do you realize what this would be worth? This podcast. <laughs> That's all I'm thinking. About. I love the fact that you thought of that. You didn't even oh, think of that later. I've got the last interview. Oh, I don't. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm thinking about that right now. <laughs> I've got the last interview. I'm not lying to you. I would, if I was told two hours, I like you a lot. I have an incredible amount of respect for you and your your work. And I think you're brilliant. Mm. If you went in two hours, I'm not going to lie to you. That would be huge for me. Yeah, yeah. Because I would have this. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you know, in a weird way, because I like you so much, 
I hope that happens. I hope. I hope I die in two hours. Yes. So this this is worth. This is fucking gold dust. This to you. Yes. Yeah. We both want the same thing. Yeah. Which is your death in yeah. two hours. If it, yeah. Yeah. And it, 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 I don't think that could happen to a nicer multi-millionaire than you. Thank you. I've made bad investments. I want you to know I've lost a lot of it. I did. Uh, Tara, I thought the fidget spinner was going to be a much bigger thing for a longer time. And, uh, yeah, but not for the penis. I don't know why you thought that would be a... I thought it would attach to the tip of the penis and it would be for people with ADD who like to touch themselves. In it public? Would, yes. Say, I'm not masturbating. I'm not masturbating. That's a fidget spinner. <laughs> <laughs> There's the headline. Yeah, there you go. We're going to take that. We're going to take that. Gervais rips into people who have ADD and like to masturbate. Um, this was lovely. Good. Thank you for having me to your, uh, to your place. Don't be afraid to edit that down to a really tight six or seven minutes. Just the be, best stuff. This will be about 40 seconds when we're done with it. <laughs> I know, yeah. It'll be, it'll be a high-pitched whine yeah. the whole time. And Thank you. Let's get you You're some sunblock because that's that's over. Yeah, I know. You know I that love that uh, I'm finally in the right weather. Every <laughs> cell in my body is screaming. It is a. It is. A, I'm home. It is. I'm a, home. No, I'm serious. It's a London dreary day out there, and every cell in my body is saying, "This is where you're supposed to be, you fucking moron." Yeah, drinking, not in not drinking near the Mexican Guinness. border. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Mexican border. Yeah, yeah. No, it's stupid that I live in LA. I'm talk about. I'm going to die because I shouldn't be there. I'm not supposed to be there. Well, let's not. Let's Let's not forget that you say Mexican border, but actually, where you live used to be Mexico. Yes. So you just stole that yes. from Mexico. Well, I wasn't in, first of all. It wasn't I, you. It wasn't me. No. I was, I was living in Ireland at the time, my people. When it was, <laughs> but yes, America stole that land. And I accidentally made the same mistake many people did, which yeah. is a friend invited me down to, uh, to Cabo. And I was in Cabo, and I was looking around at the hills... And I stupidly, this is about six months ago, I was looking around the hills and I said, it looks so much like Los Angeles here. Mm. And then I remembered, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. This is Los Angeles. <laughs> we took this. You idiot. I was embarrassed <laughs> and ashamed. But yeah. I can tell you that. Well, I we ended on a high. American imperialism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Genocide. You learn and all that it from us. Stuff. You learn it from us. Ricky Gervais, be well and uh, go into that good night. Thank you. Through the next two hours. Good night. It's going to make this huge. Yeah, no. I hope I die in my sleep. <laughs> Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Their friendly certified technicians have over 270 hours of training and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change and, uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, But I wanted people to <laughs> you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody hot is there. And they're illiterate. like, oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blade driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I Then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. I believe in being honest uh, with our listeners, and that means uh, exposing you to my flaws as a human being. I'm terrible at tech, always have been. I look upon the rise of the computer with dread, and so Sona has spent most of her time as my assistant talking me through or trying to convince me to give uh, different things on the computer a try, and I usually don't want to because I'm afraid something's going to blow up. But this, I have to say, and Sona and Gorley, you can back me up on this if you believe I'm telling the truth. During the weeks that we've been quarantined, I've had to do a lot of stuff on my own, and I think I'm starting to get pretty good. What do you think? Well, I'm worried you're going to get too big ahead and start bossing us around (laughs) tech-wise. I'm not worried about that at all. I am proud of you, Conan. I think that you've come a long way. Because before, if I was like, okay, open Zoom, you'd be like, oh, what's Zoom? You would know what it is, but you act like you don't know. And I think that you've come a long way. Uh, I have a mental block about technology. But because we're doing this podcast and we're all separated, and I have to figure stuff out on my own, uh, I often am sitting at my computer. And I'll be honest, I'll have you guys on speakerphone. And you'll be saying, now press Control-Alt-7. Okay, now go up to the file window. Now scroll down to bleep blorp. Now press blorp of bleep and blorp. There should be a yellow box. Don't hit that box. Hit the green box. Now the green box should show you a picture of Eleanor Roosevelt. Don't click on that. <laughs> and, and slowly we make our way through it. You have been doing very well. Yeah, I, I have to say, I mean, because we are still doing shows and you shoot your things, you upload them onto the file sharing website. I mean, you, sh- you should be really proud of yourself. You're basically doing everything to keep the show on the air. So nice job. Yeah. So now you're talking to me uh, like a two-year-old who just successfully made a poopy. <laughs> you're doing so good. You're doing Who's such a good job. You did a, poopy. you did a poopy. You did a poopy. I'm Who's so proud of you, Conan. Okay, let's You're uh, doing let's just... you're shooting a video all yes. by yourself. Oh. Yes. Everyone thought you were yep. real stupid, but you're not. I'll be very impressed when you can do something like this. Did you guys know that my brother is staying with me? Hey. 
Hey! Oh, wow. Look, it's your brother. I don't think I've ever mentioned that I have a twin. What the hell? How? How'd you do that? That's crazy. How's it going? Wow. Get out of here. We're trying to record something. I'm fascinated. Okay. Well, you know what I love? I love when people do visual jokes in an audio Okay, I knew that was coming. No, no, no. Please, uh, let me explain to people what just happened. We're all on Zoom as we we do this podcast, and Matt Gorley, through some of his chicanery, trickery, and skullduggery, (laughs) uh, just had himself walk in behind him and lean over and wave. How long did it take you to figure that out? It's just a background change and you just shoot a little video of yourself beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry none of you could see that. Uh, It was really not meant for a podcast, I suppose. (laughs) No, it was meant for you. It was a little treat for you. Who knows if it'll even go in. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, I did too. I did too. Uh, I think Conan's upset because we were complimenting him and now you took the attention away. I think that's it. While we were complimenting him. But Conan, I really am proud of you. I'm so okay. proud of you. All right, all right. That's that's a okay. good one, Sona. No, but I really am. I honestly am. I'm uh, dragging things. I'm clicking things. I'm, uh, you know, control-alt-seeing and control-alt-Ving. Yeah. Well, you know, control-seeing. Oh, you're copying and pasting. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Well, I like to, it's simpler just to say control-alt-seeing and control-alt-Ving, I think, than copy-paste. You're right. There's no alt when you copy-paste. What are you alting? Well, there's different ways. I have a different computer. Mine is from the 50s. <laughs> it's vintage. <laughs> it's like cardboard punch cards. Yeah. I actually, I use uh, a computer uh, that I bought off NASA. It's a vintage. It's a 1962 Maladex 19. <laughs> 75 JJJ. And so before we do, I do anything on my computer, I have to stay up all night making punch cards <laughs> by hand. But I did successfully spot Sputnik about an hour ago. Yay. So I'm feeling That's pretty good. good. Do you think you're going to go on to uh, do more computer-related stuff after this now that you've kind of got some courage? No. No. I think the minute I'm... Sona, you, you tell them what I'll do because you know me better than anybody. The moment we get back to the office, all of this will just erase from his mind. It'll... Uh, if, I, if I'll say, hey, Conan, you want to set up a Zoom meeting... He'll be like, I have no idea what that is. I don't know what to do. I've never done that before. And then I'll say, and who are you? <laughs> you know, I, I my brain is an Etch-A-Sketch. It, it really is. My brain is an Etch-A-Sketch, and I developed this over the years of doing the TV show, but I would learn everything I needed to know for that day. The guest today is Matt LeBlanc, and he likes onions, and he also likes to ski, and he also I would learn everything I needed to know. And then the minute the show was over... I would shake my head and all of that would be gone. (laughs) I have an idea, you know, because we're running out of pre-taped interviews and we're going to have to do some with guests that are remote. We should do it that the guest is set up technically by you. You have to walk them through how to set up their mic and record and just see how that goes. That's like asking a small rabbit to build a Dodge Challenger, you know? (laughs) It's just not going to be. <laughs> well, there's a factory in Detroit and all the equipment's there. Get to it, little bunny. Um, you know what I love to do? I used to love to do this with my dog. I used to tell my dogs, okay, here's what I need you guys to do. I need you to go. Listen to me. Listen to me. I need you to get to my accountant's office. It's in the mid-Wilshire district. I need you to get to the fifth floor. There are files there, files there that pertain to my taxes in 1996. What you want to gonna do, <laughs> and then their expression is so good because I, 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 they just look at you in the, with this kind of lost, like, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and do this. 
but just picturing their paws going through my files always amuses me. That's good. That was good. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be cutting that, I suppose. <laughs> no, that was really, that was good. How are you uh, holding up, Conan? Me? How do I yeah. hold up in this time of pandemic? Uh, I would say I'm holding up pretty well. I think, you know, obviously it helps. We're lucky that we get to keep working. So I, I obviously feel for people who can't work, and that is awful. Uh, this isn't, you know, this is a time when if you have any kind of job, as we do, where we can keep doing it, you just feel so grateful that uh and and the fact that i can i talk every day to my writers i for the show and i talk to my producer and we try and scheme and we're trying to make stuff i think that's incredibly helpful so that's that's helping me a lot i don't know about you sona how are you doing you know what i want to say um i know i don't know if we can even talk about this but if we don't do shows the staff doesn't get paid so i mean thanks for still doing shows otherwise i don't know what i would do because uh yeah we'd stop getting paid to be honest i did really look into is there a way to keep doing shows but give everyone the shaft Oh. So they don't get paid. <laughs> and I had a team of lawyers. I spent a lot of money looking into it. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. I spent tens of thousands of dollars working hard <laughs> to see if there was a way to keep doing the show and gut the staff. But oh. I was told that that would, quote, not look good. And also it's illegal to make people work for no money, especially during a pandemic. So, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I was going to thank you. I was actually going to thank you, but now I'm not. So um, You still have to thank me. Because what? I failed to screw you and the staff over, because I failed in my attempt, <laughs> yeah. you, ha- you have to thank me now. You have to say, <laughs> thanks, Conan, for failing to destroy us. Oh, well, thanks, Conan, for failing to destroy us. And uh, thank you for... Um, but I'll say this. I'll say this of my uh, the TV show staff and the podcast staff, uh, and everyone included here, people are doing a an excellent job of sort of rallying around and figuring ways to do their job from home and contribute. So that's kind of neat to see. It's, 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 you know, the the silver lining of some of this, and there is some silver lining is you get to see uh, people adapt and get very creative about how to do things. And so I think that's been really uh, lovely and Gorley, I'm including you in that. Aww. And you too, Blay. And you too, Adam Sachs. And you too, Engineer Becton. <laughs> I'm going to start calling him Engineer Becton. Feels like the like enterprise. Well, also, I was thinking more like I'll start asking him or making him to wear a little train conductor's cap. Oh. <laughs> How's it going, Engineer Becton? Woo woo. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been... 
a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.